I was telling them that, oh, I'm very loud, um, that I have my like paper Bible, so if I get lost looking for my scriptures, because I don't normally bring... I do it at home, so hopefully I can find stuff. I found my first scripture, so... Turn my notes the right way up. Hi, I'm Jack, as Charles said. Um, a brief introduction would be, if you don't know me, that I'm married to Fiona with the baby at the back. The baby is our baby, Caleb. He's, uh, well, I'm just going to say three months. He's three months. I was trying to think of a more accurate, like, 13, 14 weeks. 14 weeks tomorrow. There you go. Somewhere around there. It's three months. Um, what else? No, that's it, really. Um, we're talking about slowing down, which is great. There's been a load of great messages. Go and listen to them. They're really great. Hopefully tonight we'll give you something new on that. Um, before I really start, we were listening to the, to the radio on the way in, and they were saying that someone in the UK has won £170 million in the lottery, and it's the biggest amount ever in the UK. And they were asking people, what would you spend on it? So to the person next to you, one minute, what would you do with £170 million? Pounds. Did I say dollars? Pounds. That's great. What? So, come on, what would you spend to tithe it? You tithe it. So, seven, what would you do with the rest? Reverse tithe. Okay, great. You'd still be, okay. Anyone else? Buy houses, okay. An island, yeah. Great, okay, fine. You'd, great. It's kind of too much money to dream about, isn't it? If I said, here's 100 grand, you'd go, I'll pay my mortgage off for you, you know. Like, 170 million, you don't really know what to do with, do you? Anyway, it does, hopefully it will fit later. Um, so I've got, I'm... I'm really busy at the moment. Work is really busy, uh, which is great, but I'm really busy. And then I come home from work. I work at home mostly. Uh, and Caleb's there, and he's, he doesn't have a break. He's just like always there and often wants attention most of the time, unless he's asleep, which is sometimes. Uh, so I'm really busy. So between all of that, I found it quite hard to... Uh, spend time slowing down and uh, spending time with Jesus. And that's, it's a found I've had to really force myself to do it. Um, I don't, maybe you can relate. It's a busy period in the world calendar, you know, not the world, I don't know, like you've arrived at uni, it's busy, you're back to work after the summer, it's coming up to Christmas, it's not really, but it's 72 days, there you go. I didn't know that, just Josh. Uh, and so we're busy, and so we have to force, I, well, I do anyway, force myself to do this whole slowing down. It's quite hard. It doesn't come naturally, especially at the moment. So that's where I'm at. Um, I've got two points, 
My first point is about material things, hence the million pound question. Um, and my second one is about waiting on God and the Holy Spirit. Which is great. Hopefully they'll link together. We'll see. They're not just two random points. They come across a little bit random. So my first point. Uh, math, let's go to Matthew 19 and we'll start at verse 16. So this was the one I'd pre-found. So I'm already there. Uh, I'm reading in the NIV. So if you're in one of those apps and you can pick which version, that's the one. Well, great. Um, yeah, so... Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. He goes on, Love your neighbor and as yourself. All these things I have kept, the young man said. What still do I lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it is hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, like he's really, it's written the point here, isn't he? Like, Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I was at a wedding on Thursday. It's part of what I do. And um, there's this doorway. It was about this wide. It was a barn place, right? And it had two doors. And inside the door were smaller doors. So, like, there's a big door and small doors. And the small doors were, like, this wide and, like, this high. And they shut them, and I was on one side with all my camera stuff, big rucksack, all this kind of stuff. And they shut them, and they only left one of them open. So it's like this high and this wide, and I'm there with my rucksack. Like, knowing that I was preaching, I was like, I should take a picture, but I didn't quite like, get there. But you'll have to imagine, small door, big rucksack, hard. Way easier than a camel and an eye of a needle. So the, the disciples go on. It's not my point, it's just like, trying to paint the picture for you. Um, uh, where am I? When the, so verse 25. When the disciples heard this, uh, they, asked, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered, we have left everything to follow you. What then will be there for us? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious phone, you, have fo- you who have followed me, will sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, And if you've left houses and brothers and sisters and fields for my sake, you will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit inherit eternal life. Um, Which is great. I'll come back to it. Um, So minimalism, have you heard of this concept of reducing what you have and focusing on things that bring you joy and value? I didn't actually look up a definition. I arrogantly thought I could describe it to you. I probably should have. Here's the Oxford. No. Um, And so it's this process of like going, does this bring me joy or does this add value to what I'm doing? And 
you, you do that and you go, well, does this shirt? No, I don't like this shirt. So you throw the shirt away. You don't just keep it in your cupboard. Um, Caleb, he's really great. He just wants milk. I'm gonna, this is probably my last reference. Um, he just wants milk and his parents. Like You can buy all the toys for babies, but ultimately they don't really care at this age. They just want love and milk. Me, I, uh, you know, you, I have cameras and I wanted more and I had camera stuff and all this kind of stuff. And it's easy to look at all the latest stuff, um, lots of which you can't afford, and you go, I want that, I want that. And you end up either spending loads of money uh, or you uh, end up going, I'm rubbish because I don't have that stuff. And so you end up slightly empty and sad and because we live in a world that says buy stuff and that'll make you happy. Um, and so minimalism is this, uh, it's not Christian, it's just a thing, it's just a thought process um, that kind of says you don't need all the stuff, choose what brings you value. So it sounds great, it obviously has a flaw in that it isn't about Jesus and that it gives you this framework of what works for me and then you carry on. Um, you know, we end up... Uh, we buy clothes, we keep broken stuff. I had this joke, you know, people, oh, why have you got that old fridge that doesn't work in your garage? Well, I might need it in the future. Well, you won't, will you? Because it's broken. <laughs> like, some things are really easy, like. Um, but, yeah, it, and it goes to, you go, you're sad, go buy clothes. Like, go have McDonald's. Like, it's not necessarily the answer, but sometimes we all do it. Because sometimes it's nice, but... And so this process, it asks whether we need it and whether we need value. And then we can go forward from there. And, and, it, and it goes across everything. We can look at relationships. We can look at things we do and things. And, you know. But, you know, this is a preach, not a motivational message, which is great because I'm going to move on. Um, we can't make this, I can't make this my rule of life because it's not about Jesus. And... It's, as I said, self-centered. Um, but it's helpful because Jesus does, in verse 21, say, sell your possessions and give to the poor. He's going, get rid of stuff. Don't have a connection to the material world. This concept of, does this have value to Jesus in my life, that's positive. Like That concept is really helpful. Um, of asking, if Jesus, late, another point, says, where, are your rich, where you store your riches, that's where your heart is. So, if our riches are in heaven, if where we're looking to heaven and we're building ourselves a reputation in heaven, that's more powerful than um, you know, storing, buying houses and all this stuff. And this was my point about the, the 170 million. I think if we were truly not attached to this world, we'd probably all go, we don't need it. Like, I mean, probably no one said that. I think I said I'd buy a house on a foreign island. That'd be great. Um, as some people said, but you know, this concept of the money doesn't matter, the world doesn't matter around us. Um, we need to make things about Jesus. Mary's sat at Jesus' feet and she says, and Jesus says to Martha, Mary's found the only thing that matters to her and that won't be taken away from her. Like this concept of the, the, the physical, it doesn't matter as much as the, as the spiritual realm. Um, I want us to be a people that are led peacefully by what God wants for us and that we, can't, we don't let our riches stand in the way 
that we sell it all and we almost remove emotional attachment. And I'm going a bit extreme to make the point. I think it's okay to have stuff. It's okay to have dream, to, to like, you know, I like, we like our lives and our houses. And our, but it, this attachment and this demand of that's where our happiness is, that's where our, that's dangerous. Um, Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. You don't have to turn, I am, because I don't have it there, so... See if I can find it. <laughs> it's before Proverbs, obviously. Or is it not? Am I wrong? After, that's embarrassing, isn't it? It's before Matthew. You can, yeah, see that? This. Yeah, thank you. After Proverbs, we said, didn't we? This is bad, isn't it? The Ecclesiastes, I've got it, I've got it. Just after, it's quite small, so that's my excuse. <laughs> Chapter 5, uh, maybe verse 10. Um, whoever loves money never has enough. Never has money enough. Hmm. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast on the eyes of them? Um, It goes on later, it says, uh, verse 40, uh, no, 15. Naked a man comes from his mother's womb, and as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. Like this concept of we arrive naked, we leave naked. Like we, we spend so much time building our reputations, regardless of our money. We, we think that what people think about us matters. And it, and it does, you know, we've a lot of the New Testament writers encourage us to be upstanding people and have all this... It's important, but when that's our goal over what God thinks about us, we're lost, aren't we? Like, this focus needs to be on Jesus, on eternity. But it's hard. As I said, we're busy. Things take root. We like the comforts. You know, we've got two cars and all this stuff. You know, we like to have stuff. There's nothing wrong with having all this stuff, you know. Um, but it's when it's what, our, what we hold on to, what our, what our heart lies with but it is hard on where to start on terms of getting rid of stuff and reducing down so that only Jesus is what guides us and matters to us so hopefully that's where my second point comes in about waiting on God I can't what did I write on there no I wait on God I did write on God. I said, wait on Holy Spirit wait on God no. so John 15 verse 26 I can find John I know where John is there. It's quicker than your phone. I just don't often read Ecclesiastes, so. Uh, Water. I'm wondering if I've said everything so far. Probably. Great. So, uh, I'm going to start at verse 26. I'll probably skip bits because there's a lot. I, I did, at one point I was going to read like a whole chapter, but probably won't. When the counselor comes, this is Jesus um, before he leaves, he's talking to the disciples and he's there, 
you know, got all these questions and they're a bit worried. They're not really sure what's going on. Jesus started talking about leaving them and dying and they're a bit confused. He says, when the, comfort, uh, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me and you must also testify for you have been with me from the beginning. Uh, and then down to verse 5 of 16. Now I'm going to him who has sent me, yet none of you are asking me where, I, where I'm going because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Um, verse 12. I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what, he will speak only what he hears. And he will bring, he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why the spirit I will take from what is mine to make known to you as in the, the spirit's going to come and he's going to make known to you what he knows because he's going to give everything he's got to the spirit yeah so that it goes from jesus to the spirit to us it's, i have to do that just for myself because it's slightly um so the holy spirit's coming and then in acts 1 verse 4 uh which is over here Acts 1 verse 4, uh, Jesus says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, for which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, and so after this, he was taken up before their very eyes. So that's, that happens. And then a bit later, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's poured out. We probably know that story. It's a little bit later on. Um, waiting on the Holy Spirit. So Jesus tells them to stop and wait before they go out. They've been on a bit of an emotional roller coaster, I think, by this point, because they, you know, they. Jesus is like, "I'm going," and they're like, "What? Why are you going?" And then they, and then he go, and then he dies, and then it's like gutting, and then he rises again because they still don't really understand this whole three day thing. And he rises again, and it's like, "Woo!" And then he's kind of there, but not there, and then. And then they see him go up to heaven and he's like, and it's like, that's it. They, their king's gone and he's left them with this mandate. And in Matthew, he's given them the great commission and like, now they need to go. But then he says, no, don't go. Just wait in, this, in Jerusalem. Don't leave and I'll pour out my spirit on you. They have to wait because without the Holy Spirit, they're not great. Um, <laughs> they, they'd already done it. You know, they'd been out on this, they'd done this in, earlier on in some of the Gospels we read about the disciples going out and praying for the sick and doing all that stuff. So they'd done it, Why? so that there'd be this desire to go out and do it. But no, Jesus says, wait. Abraham uh, was told when he was 75 to wait. Uh, no, he wasn't. He was told, <laughs> what was he told? He was told that he was going to be a great nation. Um, and it took him 25 years to have Isaac, who started that great nation. Like, that's a big wait. Um, David was anointed as king, like as a boy, as a shepherd, which it says as a boy. Saul was still alive, you know? Long gap between actually becoming king. This waiting 
is big. Jesus um, was baptized in the Holy Spirit and then went out into the desert for 40 days. Why didn't he just go straight out? Like, he went out and he took time out to wait on God, to fast. Because that's what fasting is. It's this crying out to God, right? It's this, um, God, I want to be closer to you. I want to, before all else, before his ministry, he was listening to his father because that's how he had to do it. We need to wait before we go. That's, you know, that's it. Like, we, God, and I think often in the Western, in our churches, we're quite slow to go and do stuff. We're, we're busy. We've got our own agendas. But I do think there is still this intentional waiting on God before we go. Where do you want me to go next, God? And then you're like, come on, God, tell me where you want me to go. And this, like, persistence of waiting. Um, when I arrived at uni here, so I was 18, uh, I had come from a church that was great, but I had certain. But I had I had been serving every week. I was I did sound every week, um, and it was great. I loved it. But I arrived probably slightly burnt out, slightly not fed up, but like oh, I can't do that at the moment. And so I said, I'm not going to join any teams for a while. I'm just going to come to church, and that was great. And I'm not saying if you're on teams, maybe you should leave teams. I, don't do that. That would be great. Like <laughs> I'm getting. Don't. Now I'm thrown. No, I'm kidding. I knew, but I think maybe you're on every team, and that's, or you've never taken any time. You know, like, or you look at your week and you don't have any point of rest and and talking to God. Like, I needed that at that point. That was right for me. Like, I can't. You know, I'm not saying go and do that because there's so much value from serving. There's so much value from giving. But equally. Sometimes we have to do something actively and rest before God. Um, this concept of not giving in and telling God that we're waiting for him and that we want more of him. We were praying for the Holy Spirit you know, in worship. It was great, this bowing down and this going quiet and just resting and, and actually saying to God, we want you to move. This that song, we need to move. Like, I, don't, I was joking the other way. I don't love every line in the song, but... <laughs> The concept of saying, God, we need you to move and crying out is really powerful because this persistence, like, I think we often go, oh, God, come and do something. And then we get bored and we go and sort ourselves out. And it's not as good to solve our own problems. We need God to be our, he's our maker. And so we need to let him mold us and shape us. You know, if he made us as a plate, we can't then go, God, fill me with water because you're a plate. Like, you need pasta on you or something like it's, he's made you who you are and you need to let him shape you to be you. So again, it's back to that point of stripping back. If you're trying to be something, if you've got stuff in your life that isn't how God made you, then this waiting and this going, I let go of everything, you know, is really powerful. Even if it's just temporarily to go, look, I'm going to give you two weeks and I'm going to spend a ridiculous amount of time with you, God, that sacrifices a load of stuff, but I'm going to give it two weeks just to, and God will talk to you in that. Like, that's really powerful to do that. Um, Abraham, I think when I was talking about him, he probably wanted a kid from long before he was 75. Like, it was probably a long period of praying and asking God for a kid. Like, we don't hear about that loads, but we hear they didn't have kids before he was, you know, and he had to wait. Well, he wrote 100 years. It's not, he probably didn't want a kid when he was, but, you know. I think there was probably a lot, that was probably a great prayer meeting in the upper room, you know, this seeking, this really passionate 
prayer and seeking God, that's really powerful. And I think he said, Jesus says a couple of days, I would put that down as like a week max. I read it. It's maybe seven to 10 days. I don't know. I don't know. I'm claiming it's seven to 10 days because that's helpful because I think I wouldn't wait a whole week if someone said to me a few days. That's like three days, isn't it? Um, but you had to, they had to persist. They had to wait for, a lot, for as long as it took for God to move. Um, finding time to pray, it doesn't, that's not saying that you need to block out everything, quit your job and do something, as I was saying, like, okay, maybe realistically you spend 15 minutes reading a Bible a day, a pray, praying a day or whatever. Turn it into an hour, like, for a week and just go, it's an hour. I'm, I'm losing out on revision or I'm losing out on TV or something. They're not really the same thing, are they? But they probably are. Like in your, but, um, but this concept of, of actual short-term seeking and waiting, as we're doing now, you know, this series of waiting is like a taking out from our regular schedule. Jude 1 7 to 23, this is easy because it's just before Revelation. Uh, What did I say? No, 17. Uh, Well, I'm not going to read 17 because time, apparently. Uh, 20. But for you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait on the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life. That's it. We need to just wait and pray for the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like, it's, it's all we need to do. Lucundo spoke really well about discipline and setting aside and giving ourselves more time so that God can speak to us and interrupt our lives. Like, it's really simple, and I think we just need to make that time to wait on the Holy Spirit so he can speak to us. Great, I'm going to pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being so awesome. We just say that we want to wait on you. We want to slow our lives down so much so that we can just hear your voice so clearly. And we we just say we're listening to you, God. We want you to speak to us and we just wait on your Holy Spirit. We say we need your Holy Spirit in our lives. We need a fresh filling up of who you are and of your Holy Spirit. Because without that, we're dry and we're... We cannot go out without you, Lord, and we need that Holy Spirit, to, your Holy Spirit, to fill us up afresh. So we just say we wait and we persist on your Holy Spirit. We persist on a freshness, a newness in your spirit, and we say that's all we need right now, Lord. We just need our whole lives to be about you. We say we ignore everything in the physical. Just right now, we just say you are all we want. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.